Welcome everyone to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I am your one and only host, Alexandra. What better way to start this episode than a quote by Margaret Atwood, who says, A voice is a human gift. It should be cherished and used to utter fully human speech as possible. Powerlessness and silence go together. I could think of nothing more eloquent than this quote to fully embody our guest today on the show, Vincent Catronio. He is a self-published author of the book, Imagine No More. Vincent, it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Vincent has the, I would say, the equivalent calming effect of that of a sage monk, if I could say, like really very Zen um, demeanor about you, Vincent. You just sort of bring the energy down and really ground everyone around you. Have you? I mean, you do realize that. Yeah, I uh, I appreciate the uh, the kind words. It's uh it's kind of crazy, like putting it into perspective. Like I was like a college kid, you know, like seems like yesterday and being here in this moment is just such a like it's almost mind-blowing you know you're washing dishes one day and the next day you're talking about a a book you just worked on so having that perspective is really kind of interesting and I like I said I really appreciate that you're giving me this opportunity Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I told you everyone, his eloquence is like, he's wise beyond his ears. Just wait, just wait till you hear more. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The honor is mine. And I'm going to jump right on in and ask you what your word is for 2021, Vincent. Hope. Mm. Hope for light. Hope for something, I don't want to say better, but hope for people to just I don't know, come together more because I feel like there was just a lot of divisiveness. Like, obviously, there are things that we can't control. Obviously, like, you know, the pandemic is what it was and there's nothing that we can do to change that. But Mm -hmm. the one thing that we can change is like how we interact with each other. And I always try to promote like, you know, be kind to one another and all that stuff. But just the simple things like holding the door open for somebody or even when you're on the road, just like the simple things that you can do to make somebody's life easier almost like impact you in a way. Because it almost, it makes you feel better to know that you helped somebody else out. I don't know. It, there's something really sweet about just helping people and like making people feel like they're not alone in this world. Because especially like we were all alone last year and mm-hmm. parts of this year too. Like we were in our houses, we were self-contained, self-isolated, and there's ways that we could go about interacting with one another in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think art is a true expression of that. You know, just sharing something, whether it's a drawing or a piece of literature with people and having like a genuine discussion about that deviates from all of the things that are happening outside of, of, you know, of that, like the, the politics and all of, you know, everything else. It's just a way to push away from that negativity and bring a more positive discussion into something that's, I don't know, that's more inclusive. Yeah. I mean, kindness is so often overlooked, you know, for the excuses, the lack of time, but hope allows us to remember that kindness isn't gone. It's, it hasn't disappeared. You know, I, my fear through this pandemic was that we were going to be 
I guess, I don't want to say jaded or bitter, but I'm getting that some people are hardening and it's so nice to hear someone like yourself say, you know, let's be kind to one another and not forget that hope is still a possibility. Like you can choose to be optimistic. I know it's hard. It is a really hard thing to do. I feel like it's a lot more difficult to be kind in some some instances than it is to be, like you said, to be jaded and to be uh, pessimistic because it's yeah. almost like a default setting that we have to just assume the worst and assume, cause I was, I was in that position too. Mm. Uh, there were moments during this pandemic where I was like, this is never going to end. This is going to be our life for eternity. And my kids are going to have to grow up in this where it is what it is, but it doesn't, we're still here. We're still having this conversation. Thank God we're still like here in this world in this moment together. And there's a good thing that can come from that. You know, like I really feel good that having a conversation with someone who is on the same wavelength and like people that I went to school with and people that I know from my earlier school years, like I feel like I'm reconnecting more with people now than ever before. And I've been out of high school mm. for five years now. Well, that's the beauty of the time that we're in is we're, we're permitted to use technology to still feel connected, even though, sure, human touch, hugs, those are all things that are essential to our survival. But by the same token, you know, being able to see your face right now, being able to, you know, have this conversation with you. I mean, we, we're from different parts of the world and to be able to connect this way at, through the beauty of social media and which we'll get to, but like, it's just, it's a blessing. I mean, I think of people who were going through this in 1918, like they were home alone with no phones. I know it's been said to death, but like, I mean, I can't even imagine being in that state of mind where you're home. And all you really have is like a book or your family member or not, um, or a game, but four walls, that's it. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's also interesting because like the method of communication has always been the same. It's just the delivery process that's, that's mm -hmm. changed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it, whether you send it through the post or, you know, even before that, when you send a Raven or something like that, it's <laughs> the, the message you're trying to get out is, is always going to be the same. The, the attempt to communicate with someone or something outside your four walls, that'll never change. It's just the way in which you do that. And I think, like you said, now with social media, the possibilities are endless. We could talk to people from space, like the people in, in the International Space Station that aren't even on this planet. We have the ability to, at the drop of a hat, access that information and that, and a world literally outside our own. So I think that it's a blessing in disguise, but it's also a power that we need to take lightly. Um, because with that broadness of communication could also ensue an issue of there's so many voices in the room how do you maintain who's right and who's wrong and what is right and what is wrong because you're there's not a clear-cut answer of like oh this is this is the right way to think and this is the right way to operate your day-to-day -day life it all falls down on your shoulders as the individual and your i don't know within your consciousness of like what you morally feel is right and wrong and I think back then it was a little bit easier because there wasn't so many choices you know of of what to I, there's more to take in now uh, what I'm, is what I'm trying oh, to yeah. say than, than oh, yeah. back then. <laughs> absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. With great, see, I see communication as power and with great power, of course, the cliche is comes a lot of, 
you know, great responsibility. So yes, you're absolutely right. There is a huge amount of accountability and responsibility that we need to take for what we're going through. Because yes, it's not, we're not just, you know, blanketing social media. We have to be mindful of the words that we choose and who we're impacting. So speaking of communication and the creative process, hearing your story from the first time we spoke, I was moved and I'm even more interested to know what keeps that creativity for you flowing. I almost call it the writer's curse. And I, it doesn't, I'm not trying to put like a negative uh, connotation on it, but it's, it's that, that feeling that you need to get something out there. And the more you put it off, the more it, like, completely consuming you and the second you start putting like pen to paper there's like a release of of storytelling and the the want to get your your emotions and your imagination out there on 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 paper or on the computer or or on a canvas and that really keeps me going because it gives me something to drive for the writing the words the end or finishing a project of some sorts that's what ultimately I strive for. And it's been said a million times, like it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. But I I think both are kind of equally interesting because you discover things along the way to getting to your destination that you never would have assumed before. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I think it's just the kind of a feat that I feel lucky to to have been blessed with. I don't know. I, I just, I like that satisfaction. And that's what really overcomes my anxiety and I don't want to say it's a distraction, but it's my ability to just have that catharsis. Absolutely. Oh, catharsis. That is such an amazing word. It so embodies what the creative, the, the writing process is. It's just you're, you're, you're coming out of here and you're coming like out, out of your head for, for anybody who can't see me, like out of your head onto the world. It's you're making something that wasn't material, material. And you're providing us with art. You're providing us with an escape through your art. So as I mentioned before, you're a self-published author, which is very, very admirable. Thank you. Um, Congratulations, truly. So tell me about your book, Imagine No More. So my book is a literal personification of what I was just saying before. It is a collection of poems and short reflective passages that I've kind of accumulated over the past year and a half. Some I wrote while I was in college um, in creative writing classes and some, well, a majority of it were written while I was in quarantine. Um, And it's my struggles and adversities and everything that that's been leading me to this moment. It's all there. And I kind of wanted to put a shroud over that at first with like, you know, metaphors and all of these um, and like imagery, but those reflective prose passages are just me. And I didn't want to shy away from readers. Like this is who I really am. I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to face that head on. Like I can be, you know, I can fill you with like imagery or, you know, um, all these other things, but the real, you know, grit of the book is like what I'm trying to say, like the genuine things that happened to me personally are in there. And I don't know, it was, it was a lot of fun to do. It was really difficult to do. And some portions of it were a little bit hard to read back because I didn't want to just put it out there. Like I really wanted to make sure that taking my personal experiences out 
of it. And, you know, me just being like an editor and a writer, I wanted to look back and make sure like it's good to send out, you know? So doing that was a really difficult task because I was like trying so hard to not have that personal attachment anymore, but you can't, it's, it's almost impossible. But, um, Overall, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I'm glad that people like it, and I'm glad that people are kind of relating to it in some way. But it's it's a, a dream come true, almost. Hmm. And what does it mean to you, Vincent, to to write to put words on proverbial paper? It's expression beyond comprehension, and I don't think that there would have been anywhere any anything else I could have done in this world other than writing. Without that. I feel like I would be lost because I wouldn't know how to express myself any other way than putting, you know, words on a screen. And it's, it's daunting. Don't get me wrong. And it's a lot easier to just have a conversation with somebody, but to have those genuine experiences come out, it's a lot easier to just write it because you're by yourself. It's, it's everything to me. And I've been doing it since I could hold a pencil uh, my the first stories I've ever written, I, I can't even remember how like how long ago, but it's it's been a learning experience that I've kind of built on. Like whether I was in you know community college or university, and outside of that, you know I didn't I didn't want to lose that. That was my biggest fear was if I don't use it anymore, I'm going to lose it. You know, and wow, thank God. <laughs> Really? You had the sense that if you, it was like a tool, if you didn't sharpen it, like you were just gonna, it was going to become dull, if you will. Absolutely. That, and it still kind of plagues me a little bit, that fear that it'll just disappear and I won't, I won't be able to, to contextualize what I'm thinking in a, in a really logical way. So that's why no matter what, like I'm always writing something, I'm always trying to keep the juices flowing because subconsciously, I do still feel like it's going to disappear one day. And I know it's something that I'm, I'm still trying to get over, but it's one of those irrational things that I kind of struggle with every day. No, no, I hear that. I hear that. I mean, creativity ebbs and flows, right? It's kind of the name of the game. It, it depends on what your output is, what your state of mind is, the you know, what's happening in the world, what's happening with you, you know, sometimes even inspiration can come from really bizarre left field type of places. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I had this moment this past weekend where, you know, I, I live in suburbia and I grew up in the city. So I have that interesting dichotomy of like, okay, I have a very sort of, I live in a very safe, you know, um, you know, very, <laughs> What's the really, what's a PC word to use here? A very blanche, (laughs) you know, you know, very, uh, wonder bread type of neighborhood. But I grew up though in, in the city where you heard, I heard you say the word grit where, you know, I was exposed to all these cultures and I'm like, wow, this is great. But I'm seeing that had I not experienced the, you know, that bit of culture, I, who knows if my creativity would have been the same. And it's not to say nothing's wrong with suburbia people. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we love the, the openness in the trees, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Love grass. Of course. Love riding my bike. It's great. 
but you know, there's something to be said about colliding with culture and, and people and, you know, thought processes and mentalities. Like, what do you think about that? My experience was college. That's where, well, university, uh, community college opened me up a little bit, but it was only 20 minutes from my house. And I wasn't, I was commuting. I wasn't real. It felt like high school, like a step up from high school. But when I went to, I went to Rowan University and it was like maybe a little over an hour away from my home, my, my house. And I lived there. And even though it was still in the same state, I was exposed to thousands of, of kids just like me in this, you know, in this experience together of, we just want to like learn, have fun. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I was exposed to writers, um, being an English major, you had to, you know, obviously had to read a lot <laughs> and I don't know. It, I don't think this book would have come as um, naturally as it did if I hadn't learned about, you know, creators, authors, uh, you know, artists that I don't think I would have ever been exposed to if I hadn't gone there. So, and even meeting people, just hearing their stories and learning their wants, their ambitions, just asking somebody what what's your major could open up a huge conversation that, you, you know, you can't have outside of that because you learn about everything that's led them to that moment. Everybody has a story and you really learn that in, in, in college, at least me personally. I agree. I agree. I had that same experience. Everybody does have a story and it's, um, some will jump out at you more than others, but you know, that's where inspiration comes from people connection. So we talked about anxiety on our first conversation and I want to know more about your anxiety story. What can you tell me about it? So growing up in a household with an alcoholic parent was the catalyst for everything that has burdened me. And that was a really gut-wrenching experience that I kind of look upon now as like another lifetime. You know, thank God it's over and I don't have to deal with it anymore. But I don't have to physically deal with it anymore. But emotionally and spiritually, oh, absolutely. I'm still dealing with it every single day. And it, the anxiety is the same. The fear of something happening tomorrow. That's, that was my anxiety growing up. And even though that the circumstances are different, the feeling is the same. You know, even if it's like a job interview or a date or something along those lines will bring me to that state of fear and sickness uh, that I can trace back to when I was seven. So my realization of that came pretty recently and I was just trying to figure out where it all came from and why it's happened and why does it hurt so much, you know? And I would, I just had to start tra literally tracing my life back. And even though I can't remember all of the things that happened before that, I know for a fact I didn't have those feelings until everything started hitting the fan and everything started, there was a pattern that would happen and I would get that feeling and it wouldn't go away because the pattern was inconsistent. You know, I would see this individual's behavior and I wouldn't know why it was happening, but at the same time, I knew something was going to come of it. And I think that just, that stuck with me for 20 years, <laughs> you know, oh. and it's almost 20 years, but it's, it's just been, uh, 
it's just been kind of crazy contextualizing it. And I've really never verbalized it as, as much as now, like, um, and especially in the book, like that was one of my biggest fears was getting it out there in general, but yeah, that's kind of where it all stem, uh, stemmed from. Hmm. And I heard you say feeling, you know, that that feeling comes back. Can you actually describe the feeling? It was a mixture of nausea and physical sickness on top of numbness, if that's if that makes sense, where everything that I was feeling physically, emotionally was gone, but I was just left with that sickness. Um, and it was just, uh, nothing else mattered. Um, and I was pontificating on that specific instance, whether it was a, something going on in the house that was not necessarily ideal because of this individual, or, uh, I don't know, I was going somewhere tomorrow that is unfamiliar. I would totally just ignore everything else and just dwell on that. And it took me out of the present. It took me out of the moment and it put me in the future. And I feel like I wasted a lot of time and a lot of chances that I could have had in that moment and discoveries I could have had and things I could have realized about myself. But I was just too busy living in the what if, not the what's happening right now. I get that. I get that. And and I think something important to remember, and this is a piece of unsolicited advice, and I have to remind myself of this often, um, Vince, is that, you know, all the moments I think that I lost due to my anxiety and I used to feel bad about it. I'm like, man, all that wasted time, all that wasted energy, all that wasted, you know, all those moments that I could have been in the moment I lost, you know, we, we do better when we know better. And I genuinely think we're all out here doing our best and no one sets off to like, you know, rehash, trauma and patterns that have settled into our brains. It's just, it's just what ends up happening, you know? And, and, and I think acceptance is a huge part of the healing process. That's what I've come to realize anyway. It makes me feel better about like all of that, that space in my brain that used to uh, be allocated to the regret. And it really resonated when I heard you say, you know, I had to go somewhere and like the feeling of dread of going somewhere new, meeting someone new, like, I, all those moments of, of fear and it's like, yeah, but that's how I was wired. That's still how I'm wired. I want to honor that and look at what it's done for you. It's allowed you to put again, art out into the universe. So, you know, I, I'm getting hints of you being an introvert. I am one as well. Um, how do you feel that your writing and your poetry has allowed you to express all of these emotions? Well, being an introvert, the only thing you're kind of left with is your thoughts. <laughs> and it, there's really no other way to get them out there except to write. Um, and I kind of like purposely expose myself to different forms of media, whether it's television or uh, movies or music, whatever it is. Like, I don't want to just sit there and stare at a wall. Like, I want to be exposed to different things, even though I'm not necessarily outside doing them. I want them to, you know, I want to seek them out in my own way that I'm personally comfortable with. And I still made a lot of interesting discoveries and found music and films of the, of the past that have inspired me to try that on my own. So I, I, I think there's a lot of benefits to being an introvert and, I think they're almost the same as being an extrovert instead of 
seeking them out in the confines of your own bedroom or your own home. You're just doing them on your own fruition. Mm-hmm. So there, it's an interesting thing. They're like the same world, just you're in a different spot, you know? <laughs> I get that. I get that. Do you also feel like it's, um, it makes you a really good listener? Absolutely. Um, I like having uh, phone conversations with friends and, you know, with, with this day and age, everybody's texting. So I, I, I try not to use my literal writer voice when I'm texting because then you'll just send complete paragraphs to people. <laughs> and I ended up falling into that habit a lot. Uh, I've had people say, you're, stop talking to me like you're a writer. Just talk to me like a college student for once. <laughs> like, you know, so it's like, it's interesting because the worlds kind of intertwine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just something that I accepted about myself. Like you said that word acceptance and it, it, it hits me hard because I still have to accept a lot of things that either happened in the past or I'm happening right now. But if you accept who you are as a person and know that you're unique in the fact that nobody else can see the world like you can, there's like an endless, endless possibilities that you can ascertain like it's it's so fascinating to see different personalities i love it and over and above writing and poetry do you have any other ways that you that how does vince cope with stress and and anxiety i recently just got into meditation as well and that's i i was kind of intimidated by it at first because it was like poetry to me where i thought that you needed to have this code and this state of mind that I wasn't necessarily accustomed to in order to, to feel those feelings. But I just kind of just, I just did it. I was listening to different tracks and, you know, soothing noises because I'm totally overactive. Like my mind doesn't stop. It keeps me from sleeping at night. It's, it's one of those, it's like I said, it all stems back to the fear of what if, and, you know, I'm always in the, present like i'm in this moment but like my mind is just completely like going haywire um medication was like you know it was bound to happen to kind of just keep my brain at ease um i wasn't necessarily comfortable with it but it it had to happen um because that was how i had to get through school you know anything that could help you know but i don't know it was just um my way of it's just, that's what makes me unique, you know, and the, the train doesn't stop, but you can at least look out the window and see what you're passing because that's, that's the only way you can get through it. You know, hearing that is so powerful because, and you're right, you know, medication therapy, like those things, those are also a huge part of the reason why I started this, because that too is something we can talk about. And the more we remove the stigmas and the labels, the more we can be okay with talking about that. Like, I mean, I remember hearing back at college, you know, a friend of mine saying actively how like she would quote her therapist. And this was a decade plus ago, (laughs) not to give my age away. Who's counting, right? (laughs) What I mean, you know, millennial, still a millennial. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, I mean, just thinking back at how admirable it was that she was open enough to, you know, quote her therapist to a class full of people, I thought, which used to be what was weird is now common form. And I, in fact, admire her for being so progressive. And I almost feel like I 
should have known better. But then again, if you talk to my therapist, she says to me, Alexandra, mm. shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> it's not <laughs> healthy to say. So back to your writing, back to your book. I think we've all been waiting for you to please read us an excerpt of your work. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So the section that immediately came to mind, um, one that I read myself on my own every now and then, because uh, I'm really proud of this part, and it's it's directly in the middle of the book, and I call it intermission thoughts, because there's a literal intermission that I put after I was you know compiling the poems and and prose up until this point because I needed to take a break, and this was the moment where I was terrified that I wasn't going to finish the book, and I didn't think that I had any anything left to pour out of me, so I was like I'm feeling this feeling. Why am I not taking advantage of it? So I wrote intermission thoughts. And to begin, it says, I know this isn't the traditional role of an intermission. I feel like I failed you for a moment to relieve yourself from my overactive train of unusual thought. I suppose this is my opportunity to express a bit of uncertainty about myself. I feel like I need a break, but the engines won't shut down. I'm sorry that I can't fulfill you for a moment's rest, and I thank you for coming this far. The journey isn't over yet, but I seem to have been hitting a roadblock. The curse of one's own insecurities is darkening the long road ahead. It was clear for just a moment, then the clouds made the way much more difficult. Why can't I keep going? Surely you must know the answer. Please, flip to the very last page to see if I made it, if I ended up okay. I wish I could hold the power you do. The power to turn the pages of time and flash to a moment where you are rest assured of someone's fate. While I'm trapped in the present, aching through every single moment, I hope the ending you found was satisfying, fulfilling, and worth your time. Pray that I see what you see, whether or not it is as satisfying as you found it to be. I at least know if it did end. Was it, a, was it happy at least? Did the story end the way it was supposed to? I suppose it did one way or another. But in a moment's time, as I type these words, I am unaware of the knowledge you as a reader may have within your grasp. I am quite jealous of you. It is like you were a god presiding over something absolute. What is written cannot be undone. I hope that it meant something. As I take my last breath in this moment of intermission, I ask you to rejoin me on this expedition of what is to be remembered. Mm. Wow. Very moving. The way it just pulls the reader into your story and you're giving them so much power. The fact that you're sitting there telling them they have the capability to go to that last page and as as proof that you finish your art, but they're, they're right there with you. It's just like, it's just so artfully done. Thank you so much for that. Oh, I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for letting me share that with your listeners. It's uh, It was just my way of, of getting words out there that I felt I couldn't do anything other than express what I was feeling in that moment. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I wish I can just like snap my fingers and be in the last page and just get all the because that's another time where I was kind of like holding back of the things that I knew I needed to put in this book, specifically a letter to someone who is the person I was talking about before, the alcoholic family member. And that I did not want to write. And that was kind of my way of saying, you need to get through this. And however long it takes, it's going to take. 
Um, you're not under the gun. You're not under a time limit. Just take your time and get it out there naturally, however long it takes, it takes. But I did find it interesting that when people read this, they do have the power to turn to the last page and see the words, the end. I was kind of like, I wish I could be that. I wish I could be you right now. <laughs> but look where I am in this moment. <laughs> mm, so powerful. Now, I have to ask only because you mentioned a letter. Mm-hmm. What, what can you tell us about that letter? It is, it is written. It's in, it's in the book. Um, and it was something that I dreaded writing for a very long time. But I felt that there was no other way to get closure in that situation than to tell this person how I felt. But I did it in a way that it was almost like a story. And I talked about things of my past and things that bookend this book literally. But if I hadn't put the words, dear so-and-so, people would have just assumed that it was just another prose reflective passage. But I formatted it as a letter and I read it to this person, but, um, and then I put it in the book and it's in the book. So I'm not giving it away. I'm, you know, it's, it's my biological mother. So that's who, you know, was involved in the, the catalyst of, of all these things. So since, since it's in the book, I'm, you know, that's, it is what it is, but that was the, if the book was a narrative, that's the climax of the book. That's where everything kind of goes to a head. That's my way of acknowledging what happened in the past. It's my way of the, it's the point of no return. Um, I wanted to make sure that, that she read it before I released the book. And since that happened and it's, it's my own personal story and it's nothing that I can take back or ignore. I felt that putting it in the book was, was, my, it was, there was nothing else I can do. Well, then I have to tell you then, I want to thank you for your vulnerability for doing that. It took a lot of strength. Um, I know for writers, that's kind of the eternal struggle is how much, how much can art imitate life? How much can I put in to my art about myself? This is scary. I'm letting people in on my on, on everything, everything vulnerable about myself and the, that you, you, you pull that string out of you to be able to do that is, um, number one, you're going to really help so many out there that are going through what you've been through. So, you know, you're really doing a service to a community out there. So I do want to thank you for that genuinely. Well, uh, thank you. I mean, it's, it's crazy because I have to take myself out of it sometimes and, like you said, there's a whole world of people who are feeling the same things that I am in this moment. And to acknowledge them, like, you're not alone. Hmm. And it's something that I know is hard to like accept. You know, like anxiety is not an easy thing to overcome. Depression is not an easy thing to overcome. But to know that there's a world full of people that are feeling the same things that you are in that moment is pretty not satisfying, but it helps. It helps a lot. And having the book reach people and getting messages from people saying that they've felt they've had similar instances and appreciating that vulnerability was terrifying at first. 
to hear because now I'm like, oh my God, people are reading this. They're like knowing my story. Like, am I going to hurt people in the process? Am I going to drive people away from me? But it's my story. It's not their story. It's mine and whoever it can relate to. That's, you know, that's aftermath. The, the point is just getting it out there and helping somebody. And if it helps one person, then I feel like I did my job. And on that optimistic note, I want to know, because we talked about music and how that also gets you going and lots of different types of genres too. So what music really speaks to you? Um, I would say jazz specifically because it is so much like writing in a weird way that I just discovered. Um, I recently just watched the film soul, um, the Disney Pixar film. And it made me realize what jazz was. It is a conversation. Love. It's, it is a conversation without words and it's between two people, but the way that it's, it's coming out is through horns or through a piano. And they did a really excellent job of, of visualizing that. And I was always wondering why I loved jazz so much. And it, I think it connects back to writing in a weird way because writing is a conversation with, and you're literally using words to express yourself and especially writing dialogue. It's, it, it is a conversation, but with jazz and I think with music in general, it is a conversation that people are having with each other on stage or the artist is having with the listener. So that really drew me to it. Um, there were a lot of times in college when I would roam around the campus at, on a, you know, a nice warm evening and I would listen to jazz on Spotify and I would just have different artists and different, you know, records just on, um, on shuffle. And I, I learned a lot about, I don't know, just about the history of it. Um, Miles Davis was the one who really hooked me and that was, it was beautiful. And I got his record on vinyl. And I listen to it all the time, especially when I'm writing, because I want to get to that point that he's at in that moment where just everything just kind of fades away. And you're in that moment where you're just floating and writing does that, too, where you're out of the moment and you just are completely like immersed in your art. And it's it's beautiful. Wow. It's it's I think, God, I studied this in, in psych. Um, it's called flow where. Mm-hmm you're losing track of time and it, you perfectly described it. It's like your, your surroundings sort of fall away. You're losing track of time and you're fully immersed in your, your task or whatever it is that you're focusing on. It's just, and it's as if no time passes at all. It's like, and you can't even qualify it as joy. It's just immersion. You're just in your experience. Is that what you would compare it to a little bit? Absolutely. And time really does fly by when you're in that state of I, I, I would almost call it hypnosis yeah. because it just completely takes you out of the present and there's really nothing else like it. Um, art is so beautiful in a sense that it could totally personify what you're thinking in that moment, whether it's, you know, um, a story, a screenplay or like a drawing on a canvas. It's the only way that you can visually see what somebody's thinking and what somebody's imagining. And I, I find that incredibly like fascinating. Hmm. It's, it's a, it's a real moment of grace, I would say, honestly. So looking forward and looking towards what's to come. I mean, you're so young, you're full of potential, you're talented. What are you most excited for? 
Uh, new opportunities, uh, for one. Uh, I'm diving into more writing. I'm working with a good friend of mine, and we're putting together a novel that is the biggest project that we've ever worked on. Uh, it's a, a fantasy novel that terrified me in the beginning because I've never been exposed to a world like that before. So that was kind of like really intimidating for me. And it put a lot of anxiety because uh, I was like, I never did anything like this before. But as we did it more, it was really breathtaking because it brought us into that state that we were just talking about, but in a, a totally new world, like we were in it. And there's nothing else like that. So I'm excited, really excited for that. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing change um, for the better. And I'm hoping that, you know, as time goes on and people heal from, you know, past wounds and all the things that happens, we can learn from it and maybe try our, our best to just be like, you know, not to circle around, but just to be kinder to each other, um, whether on social media, in person, and maybe just taking a moment to just look at what we got. Cause you look at, you look outside and you know, the trees don't scream pandemic. The sky doesn't scream pandemic. The stars at night don't scream pandemic. So I try my, I try myself to, to do that and just like take a moment to just look out at like the stars at night because all of the, stuff that's going on doesn't matter because in like the retrospect of that, like we as a species don't matter in this grand universe that we're living in right now. Um, and I don't want to get like too philosophical, but just having that existentialism is really crazy. Um, and, and it's in a good way. Wow. He's a writer. <laughs> He's a writer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's unreal just to hear the process vince thank you so much for sharing goodness okay so just tell us already where can we follow you and check out your work where can we find you on social media um so i'm on instagram uh at vincent underscore catronio i have production company tiger pack productions that's where all of our visual stuff goes uh at tiger pack productions it's the link is in my bio um my book page is at imagine no more book um all those links can be found on my personal social media on my personal instagram um our website all that stuff so but yeah that's the that's where my hub is <laughs> and we could not have asked for a better more full circle moment than with you telling us and referring back to your word which is hope saying that you know the trees don't know that there's a pandemic going on it is so true so to that vincent thank you so much for being on the show and being so inspiring and awesome I, I really appreciate um, this opportunity and the chance to kind of share my story with, with you and your listeners. So, um, yeah, thank you very much, Alex. I really appreciate this. <laughs> Once again, a very special thank you to Vincent Catronio for being on the show. Everybody go check out Imagine No More. I have to say, just as a closing statement, writing is so incredibly difficult as a creative process. I have always been in awe of writers. So to all you writers out there, I salute you for your craft. 
Thank you so much to you all once again for joining me. I hope you're enjoying season two so far and I will talk to you next week. Go out there and conquer guys. Bye.